Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We want the truth because we can handle the truth. Amen? Can you handle the truth? Because what happens is we all, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, can get in a rut. Y'all can get in a place where, uh, same old, same old. Now, listen, that mindset usually is tied to blaming someone else. But the truth is, it's all on you. The Bible's very clear on your passion. Very clear. It's very clear on your desire. Very clear when it comes to the things of God. When it comes to God's kingdom, it's very clear who has to own up to the lack of passion. And Paul told Timothy, you need to flame that fire. You need to stir it up. Don't look at me. Don't blame the church. Don't blame God. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your kid. Don't blame. You do it. And once you do it, you'll fire it up. I don't care how long you've been in the kingdom or how short you've been in the kingdom. I'm telling you right now, the, the, the church, religion, and the way this Christianese stuff works is this. After a few years, people are bored. After a few years, people lost their fire. After a few years, after a few years, they've settled into the concept of Christianese and religion. And that ain't God's fault. That ain't the word's fault. The truth is, is the truth. And we want it. And we want the foundation and the understanding of it so that we can go into the next 25 empowered to conquer this world. And I'm telling you right now, it needs conquering. It needs warriors. Do I have any warriors in here? Do I have any warriors out there? All right. So the most important subject in the Bible, the most misunderstood subject in the Bible is faith. It's one of the most wrongly taught subjects, faith. Misunderstood subjects, uh, lack of understanding in the instruction of faith. And what I plan to do on this journey of faith is, is to show us what the Bible teaches. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you what God's word says. And we will build the foundation, this journey, what I believe, again, is the most important subject, mandatory, mandatory, foundational truth in a life of a believer. This is the key. And when you get this, and I'm telling you, I mean, the way I teach, I teach really good, by the way. I'm just, it's just a, no, I'm not, uh, the reason why I say that is because I'm, I'm getting this thing ready and I'm teaching myself and I'm going, man, you are good at this. If you can teach you, because you don't know, sometimes I'm very difficult to teach. And I'm sitting there writing stuff that's so simple and so easy. And I'm thinking, man, I've graduated just over this past couple hours of going over my notes. So I guarantee you, it, it's going to be an impacting time this morning. All right, let's get on this journey. Y'all ready for going on the journey? Okay. Because we're going to clear up the many misconceptions of faith. And the sad thing about it is faith is usually tied to the, quote, word of faith movement. 
And the Word of Faith movement, I'm not, I'm not knocking it or talking negative about it because it made probably one of the greatest impacts in my life. It's just that I don't major on one subject. I'm counseled in the whole Word of God, which I believe is more important than being a master of one subject. We need to have everything operating. We need to grow in the knowledge of all these areas. But the tendency is once you get in a certain group, you major only in those areas that are tied to your doctrine. Now, a lot of people tie that information to denominational doctrines. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to be in a denomination to have doctrines that you stick to and you stay with and you align your group, even if you're non-denominational, with those doctrines. I mean, it's, it's just the way we are. We, we, we are that type of people. But the thing is, is this, is because of that, there's a tendency to teach a subject, but still lean toward your understanding in other areas. So you can hear a great teaching on faith, and then behind it will be, but if you're not holy, if you're not walking a perfect walk, God will not. And all of a sudden, it just eliminated their ABCs of faith. And I've heard all these faith teachers, all of them, on TV, on the radio, do this. I don't know if I know one that does not do what I'm saying. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't any. There, I'm sure there is. But the ones I know, they all do this. They all start moving toward holiness in faith. And that's a problem. Because if you're going to teach faith and they're teaching it right, you can't tie it to works. And I'll prove the point. I'll show you. I don't need to right now, but I can just share with you two areas where Jesus himself said, great faith. Unsaved people, sinners, had no connection with Israel, no connection with the word, no connection at all with anything, God, and he called them great faith. Well, how's that work? Where was that holiness? Where was that, that, that covenant with Abraham? It wasn't there. Then how were they able to see, be, be seen by Jesus as great faith? And see, this is the complication to denominations, doctrines, these truths that are lined up to what I, what I tie it to is religion. This religious ideology that seems to always sway over to, are you good enough? Did you sin today? Uh, yeah, how many times? I can't count. Well, then you can't. And that's what we hear all the time. And, and, and listen, my personal life as a follower of Jesus, I probably have seen as many miracles. I can line myself up with any great faith teacher as far as the miracles I have been a part of. The only thing I've not been a part of is raising someone from the dead. But I've seen arms grow. I've seen eyes literally come, pupils grow. I've seen withered hands grow. I've seen lame walk. I've seen all this. I've been a part of all this. But I'm not a crazy man. I've experienced it. I've walked in this. But I have a foundation of truth in God's word. So that doesn't make me believe in God. That doesn't make me more in love with Jesus. It just makes me know that the word is true. It works. It works. It, on that note, let me share something with you. Since we're talking about 
impossible to please God. Now I'll tell you what we're talking about in that area because it's tied to the area of faith, the walk of faith. But what we have to do is, is we have to recognize what is this faith because the tendency is, is the pastor's faith. It's the apostle's faith. It's that great Christian's faith. It's the TV faith preacher. No. And I'm going to show you scripturally how that's not a fact. Though they might be operating in a level of faith you're not, it's not because they have some special gifting from God. They don't have something special placed on them above everybody else, just like I don't have. Just like Pastor Lau doesn't have other leaders in here. We don't have this specific place where God says, I like you more than others. Here, you get this one. The other ones don't get it, just you, because you're one of my favorites. Doesn't work that way. And this should be making you smile and excited because I'm talking to you as one body, one family, with God having no favorites. All right? Y'all got that? All right. Guatemala, years ago. I'm up in this, probably my third trip. It is my third trip in, in this uh, area of Quetzaltenango, which is known as Shela in Guatemala. We're up in this mountain city. We've gone there a couple hours to get there. Um, spent the night. We're ministering in the town center. We go to the cities, minister in the town center. We have a drama that we uh, show the, the, the people and we present the gospel in a way that they can understand it in a simple way of recognizing that you need to receive Jesus. And we do this every place we go. So what we do is, is we have, they have churches. Every time we go, there's a church there that we're connected with. Because we're not going to get people saved and go, see you later. I hope you grow good. Because it ain't going to happen. There has to be a church there. And there has to be follow-up there. And that's what Living Waters does. They're good at what they do. And so they have already campused the ground, and we do as well, and pass out invitations to the drama we're going to be performing. So we got all these things going out there. People know what's going to happen. We get the music going, and we do the drama. And what happens all the time, not sometimes, all the time, hundreds come to Jesus. At this place, which at most places we have gone, no matter where I've gone, there are always two Mormons there, always. And what this, these two guys were doing is, is they would come and watch the drama and everything, and then we'd give an altar call, and then they would go out and start doing their stuff. And I saw that, and I go, oh, no, no, you're not doing it on my watch. So I got one of the guys from Living Waters, and I got another guy. I said, go talk religion with them always works. Because all you're going to do is sit there and talk. Religion, religion, religion. And that's what they do. They got him on the side and just started talking to him. And the Mormons started talking back. And so they're having this conversation. And I'm going, okay, so everybody's out there doing it. And I'm going, God, this is, and I'm getting aggravated now. I'm getting really frustrated because they don't serve the guy we serve, first of all. If you know anything about the, the Mormon and their doctrines, it ain't our God. It's not our Jesus. All right? So if you don't understand that, it just, just understand it's not the same God, it's not the same Jesus, all right? So we're out there doing it, and I'm going, I'm getting frustrated, and God's doing so many things. It's awesome. 
And I just stop myself and say, okay, you can't be this way. You got to quit it. You, let's, let's, let's go and do what you're supposed to do. And I have an interpreter with me, and he's hearing me do all this, but he's used to that. And I go, let's just, let's, let's calm down. It's taken care of. Let's go bring in the harvest. And then God says, I got something big. That's what he, in here he said, I got something big. And I didn't question him. And I just, when I heard that, I thought, okay. I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be an awesome miracle. There's going to be something cool. I'm going to, I'm going to lay hands on someone. Someone's going to, you know, powerful is going to happen. And so I just started walking around, and, and everybody's being touched. Everybody's being reached. And I'm thinking, gosh, there's no one left for me. You know, and I'm like, on this. And all of a sudden, a guy in the corner back next to a light pole was just, was just leaning up against it like this with his head down. And inside, I heard, I heard, in here, I heard, go, go over there and pray with him. So I go over there with my interpreter, and I, and I ask him, I said, you know, have you received Jesus? And, and he said, I, I just received Jesus. And he goes, and I go, well, is there anything I can pray with you about? And he looks at me, he goes, well, I'm blind. And I went, okay, let me go get someone else. No, <laughs> I went, okay, all right. Okay, we can deal with this. So I get ready to pray, and God says, don't pray. And I went, wow, don't pray. And he says, this is what's happening. This is, I'm telling you, this is Elijah in the Bible happening right now. He says, I want you to take him to the Mormons. And I went, what? God, what do you mean? He goes, I want you to take him to the Mormons. So I, I, I took the man. I said, here, come with me. And so we're holding his hands. We take him to the Mormons. And then God started using me to speak to them. And I, I came up and I said, this man is blind. I said, please pray for him so he can read his sight. And they went, what? what? And I go, please pray for him so he can receive his sight. He's blind. The Bible teaches we can lay hands. We can, we can stand in faith in this sight. We'll see. Please lay hands on this man so we can see. And they looked, and they're looking at each other and go, well, um, well, we'll take him home. And we, no, 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 no. No, you're not taking him home. You're not, you're not going to take him home with you. Just pray for him. And they said, well, we're, I said, exactly. My God, the real God, is going to show you that your God is not the real God. And they just went, what are you talking about? I said, we're going to pray for him. My God is going to heal. He's going to, the eyes are going to open. My God's real. Your God's not. Now, listen, there's all kinds of people standing around that just received Jesus that have been talking to those Mormons for years because they lived there. So all of a sudden, their God and my God is on trial. Elijah moment. Remember when Elijah went to Ahab? He said, it's not going to rain until I say so. And then he comes back on the scene and he says, I want you to get all your prophets of Baal, all your prophets of Asher. Get them all. Get all your hundreds and hundreds of prophets. We're going to have a sacrifice. We'll put your sacrifice there. I'm going to have a sacrifice over here. And all you do is call down your God, fire, burn, fire, burn. That's the real God. We'll serve him. We'll bow to him. And so their prophets couldn't do anything. Their God couldn't answer. And it just went on and on for hours and hours. And they were cutting themselves and bleeding and screaming and crying. And Elijah's laughing and making fun of them. 
I mean, that's so cool. But that's what he was doing. He's going, maybe um, he went on a trip. Uh, maybe he's hungry. Maybe he went poo-poo. Who knows? Maybe he's not in the toilet. I'm serious. He's talking to these guys. And they're going, ah, ripping themselves up. Nothing happens. Elijah gets his thing up, and he, and he prays to God. All of a sudden, boom, fire comes down. Boom. My God's real. Mormons, pray for him. Nope. We're going to pray for him. And then God says, no, you're not. This in here, I don't know hearing a voice, okay, but in here, and I went, why? And he goes, I want you to have your, your friend. I had another pastor friend there. Have him pray. I went, okay. And so I said, pray for him. And he looked at me like, what, what? <laughs> I mean, he was like almost cut off guard, but he goes, okay. You know, he, he, he's a man of faith. So he, he then starts praying and he prays for him to receive his sight. It doesn't work. He prays again. And all of a sudden, he goes, well, can you see? Can you? And the man says, I, I see. And he's, he's saying, he's seeing something, but not seeing. But he's seeing like forms and stuff. He prays a third time. And the guy goes, ah. And he's, his eyes are open right then and there. This, this, is, this is a statement out of the Mormon's mouth. He never was blind. That's what they did. Everybody in that whole park, they've known him as a blind man. They're already saved now, and they're just rejoicing and loving God. Isn't that beautiful? But the reason why I'm telling that story is, is it wasn't all on me. It wasn't all about me. It wasn't God trying to make fun of Mormons. It was God trying to reveal himself as the true God. He was revealing himself how much he wants to impact a blind man, how much he wants to touch lives. And that's the story of what I was involved with. Like I said, I can, I can share with you, which I will in these next you know, few years, different stories that I've been through, that I've seen, that I've been a part of, that are, that are amazing. But you know what? I, can, I went through... So many of them in my head this morning, I'm thinking, you know what? Not one of these things were about me. Not one. I was the one praying and believing God on majority of all of them I can think about. But the truth is, is not even that was about me. And I think about it and I think, you know what, God? You've done so many awesome things that I believe that it could be something where you could get a really big head at and think you're really special. I go, thank you, that I didn't become that. And he said, your choice. And I went, oh, my gosh. Because I didn't get to that place where it was about me. And I believe that when I teach faith, I can do it in a way to where it ain't about me. It's about us. And if you can get hold of this, you're going to see greater miracles and supernatural than you've ever had just because of what's going to unfold in your heart. The word of God's going to come in life. People, let me explain something to you. The only reason why we're here right now is because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be showing a world out there that there is a living God. He is a good God and he loves them. And we show that through our story. 
We show it through what's happening in our lives, how we're being impacted and influenced and how we live this life and how we've been in the world. But look what God has done. But it doesn't mean it's ended and it doesn't mean it's finished and it doesn't mean that he's through and it doesn't mean that I don't fall or I don't make mistakes or I don't screw up. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is God is good. He's alive and he loves us. And that's what teaching on faith. And that's what we're going to see. But in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says this, with, without faith, but without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. Impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, you all know how I like to break down some of the Greek language only because we get a better translation, a better understanding of what the scripture is sharing with us. I don't do that trying to make myself, you know, some awesome teacher throwing out the Greek. That's not what this is for, but it is for us to learn better. Amen. And everybody likes to learn better. Do you not? I know I do. It says here, but without faith, that's the Greek, that's the Greek word, pistis, pistis, okay? That means confident belief, an expectation, being fully persuaded of something. It's when you know something right now. There are things that you know, and you're fully persuaded with that knowledge you have. That is pistis, all right? Pistis. You guys got that. So you operate in that word in life right now. In things you do, you operate in that word. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to take away a Christian mind, this, this Christianese mindset of the word of God and get it to the teaching instruction of God to his kids, dad to the child, dad to son, dad to daughter. And then all of a sudden we start receiving this the way we should be receiving it and not as something that's, that's alien to us but as information that I need in this family. So he says that without that, under that confidence, that expectation, it is impossible to please God. That means it's impossible for God to be filled full with happiness and joy. It's this, it's this place where he's overexcitement. And parents, you understand what that means in your life when you watch your kids do something they're supposed to do, do something uh, without, you know, anybody, you know, coaching them. They do it because you taught them. They have the knowledge of it and they're doing it. And then you're just like, yeah, oh yeah, this is good. That's what this is saying. That to get God in that position, faith is mandatory. But see, what is this? I didn't say religion. I didn't say don't sin this day. I didn't say make sure you're talking right. Make sure you're wearing Christian t-shirts. Make sure you got a Christian bumper sticker. Make sure you go to the Christian store. Watch Christian TV. Watch this Christian music. No, I didn't say any of that. I said, what gets God so pumped and excited and filled with joy is when you are confidently in this position of faith, believing trusting. Are you guys hearing me? Let's just start there. That's the beginning. We got a whole lot ways to go, longer ways to go. But he says this, 
For he who comes to God must believe. Now this is the verb, pistuyo. This is pistis in action, pistuyo. So what he's saying now is when you come to God, you must operate in that belief. It's not something that you have a mind knowledge of. In other words, you memorize the scripture. God's saying, I want a heart. Heart is going to act. We have all kinds of information. We have information how to be a better this, how to be a better that. But doesn't mean it's going to be used. It doesn't mean it's going to be used. You don't know how many people I've counseled, given them information, and it isn't used. How many times you've heard information at church, but it's not used, and what happens? Things happen. And the tendency is we want to blame, point fingers. No, you're just not using the knowledge that was given to you. People want to better this, better that. So you start reading a book, start listening to this, listen to that, watching this, YouTube this, Google that. But the point is, is that will not produce anything. It has to get down here. This is when it's now put to action. Are you guys hearing this? Put to action. Pustulio. He says, he who comes to God must have action, fully persuaded once and for all of what? That he is. That he what? That he is. S-T. Is S-T. Means God is. God is, is a part. God is alive. God is here. That's the word I-S. Are you guys hearing me? In this word, it's he is here. He consists. Now watch this because it's very important to see this. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, he exists. It's, it's I don't have any doubt. God is real. Okay? That's it. He says, this is a key. You have to first have complete. He consists. He's real. All right? Now watch this. That he is what? That he is a rewarder. Wait a minute. It's the word is. But it's a different word in the Greek. But it's translated is. This is the issue we have. There are a whole lot of words where it's going to say the same word, but it has a total different meaning to it. Now, if you were speaking biblical Greek and you heard me say it, you'd go, I, you'd follow me along completely. But see, it's translated, the same word. So it says this, that he is, S-T, that means present, he's consist, he, he, he consists. That he is geonomai, geonomai. That is a process of becoming. So is now has turned to something that is, but it's a process of becoming or a process of time, a process of action that becomes revealed. Process, revelation. Are you guys hearing this? That he is what? The process of a rewarder, which lines up totally with scripture. See, not that you believe God is and you get the present now, but you get God is and he rewards you. The Greek word is one who pays wages. One who pays wages. He is a rewarder. He is, in other words, you will see it on a consistent basis 
through the process of time. I like this because it isn't one gift, one birthday. It's birthdays. It's Christmas. All right? Presents. Y'all know, don't act like you don't like presents. Y'all doing here. I know this church. So the key is, is you're seeing God is, he's present, he's real, he's here now, and that he is consistent, constant, the process of what? Rewarding. One who pays wages. There's a reward to what? Those that diligently, everybody say diligently. Diligently seek him. Diligence means it's a process of a constant action of thought. You have a thought and understanding that gets you to understand that this is something that I continue to operate in. I diligently, constantly in my mind, think about the kingdom. Think about God. Think about his word. Think about his ways. Think about you involved in him. You involved in his word. It's, it's this consistent action. It's not diligently, oh, God, Lord, Lord Jesus. Okay, how many hours is it? Okay, I'll come back in an hour. Diligently seek you. That's not what it means at all. It's the life of a believer, a follower of Jesus. You're not some fruitcake out there. You're normal. You have a belief system that's not like the world system anymore, but you're not an abnormal person. You have abnormal belief systems to the world, but you're normal in the position of you're relatable. I know your life. I heard your story. You were messed up. Now you're not. How come? That's what this is about, people. That's what faith's about. That's what prayer's about. It's not about so we can all kumbaya and have this, you know, super special, uh, squeaky clean Christian life because that's, that's religion. That's a lie. But it's about your life. It's about your life being impacted by a God who's real. He consists, he's present, and he's rewarding those that I'm focused in on the kingdom. I'm focused in on what God's desires and his passion is. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better friend. It makes me a better, better. Why? Because his word does that. It isn't, again, his word doesn't make you weirder. It doesn't make you a, a person that's detached. This thing should make you more connected than anything else. And if you, got, if you question me on that, then you better question the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth because that's exactly what he did. And the world didn't run from him. They ran to him. And I'm talking about nasty people. The only people that ran from him were the religious. But the world, the majority of everybody, they wanted to hang with him. How does that happen? Not by religion. Not by religion. Let's move on. Romans 14, 23. Another real strong word concerning faith that some people want to mix up and get off. Whatever is not a faith is sin. And they preach it that way. Whatever not a faith is sin. Sinner. No, I'm not a sinner. I have a new nature. I might sin, but I'm not a sinner. I have God's nature in me. According to his word, 
So what is this saying? It's saying this. Without the action of faith, it is hamartia. And what does that mean? And we know what it means. You miss the mark. That's the only thing it means. It doesn't mean religious definition of you're separated from God, religious definition of you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that. It means you miss the mark. The analogy in the Greek is a guy shooting an arrow and you miss the target you are shooting at. That's what the word means in the Greek. So he says this, without faith, you're going to get off track. Now, why was that scripture in there just now? Well, if you know the context of that scripture, it was all about food. That's it, all about food. People wanted to eat meat. People wanted to eat some steak. And back then, the best place to buy steak was at the temple where they sacrificed to their evil gods. But everybody knew that's the best place to get steak because those people that sacrificed to the evil gods also knew that that cooked meat they could sell and make a whole lot of money because it was the best meat because it's from sacrificed bulls that had to be special. So they would sit there in the temple, sacrifice, and on the other side of the wall, they'd serve it up in the best restaurant in town. And even Christians, because they weren't Christians before, they went to the Ruth Chris of Ephesus, <laughs> sat down at the table and ordered their steak, born again now, born again, living for Jesus and chewing down this awesome T-bone. And other Christians walk by and go, oh my gosh, you're terrible, you're demonic, you're evil, you're eating. Do you know where that came from? And you're like going, yeah. But it don't matter where it came from. I'm born again. I say this food's good. I, I, I thank the bother for it. And they're getting all mad and all angry. How dare you? You're evil and you're evil. And then Paul has to come in and say, you can't be that way. Your faith and how you're operating is showing what maturity level you're at. And he was saying, there are people, you have faith to eat the meat. Good for you. And there are other ones, he says, have a weaker area of faith. And that means a maturity level. And I'll explain this because it's not maturity in faith. It's the maturity in the action of your life with your faith, which is so important to understand because religion and all a lot of these different beliefs are tied to faith being mature or not mature. I've been guilty of that just because of lack of understanding, but I have an understanding of it scripturally. So it's not about you have immature faith. Because what would that mean that is your faith is different than mine. And I'll show you that it's not. But what you do have is you have an immaturity in your life in the area of acting in that faith. And that's what it is completely. So what that does, it gives you, oh, okay. Well, then I'll, I can grow. I can mature. Sure you can. Sure you can. That's what's so awesome about this. And you'll operate in the same power that Jesus operated in. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same faith. Same faith. And I'll prove this stuff. But the key is this, is what we have is that they got this argument going on. And, and Paul's pretty much saying, listen, you guys, you can't be this way. Then he goes to them and says, listen, this is the way love operates. Love doesn't take your faith and go, well, I like this steak and I'm a strong Christian, so I'm going to keep eating it. 
And if your brother is offended, if the sister is offended, don't eat the steak. Take out. Uber, you know, Grubhub. I don't know if they had that stuff back then. Our chariot pulls up and goes, okay, give me further. But the point is, is God's saying, don't, you don't operate that way. And, and he throws in wine and things like that. And he, what he's saying is this. You might have the faith where this doesn't bother you and you're all good with it. He goes, but if you got another believer that has an issue with it, shut it down. Don't be boastful with your maturity. Don't be boastful because that is religion 101. When you start walking like a peacock in your faith, you don't operate in faith. Not God's faith. You're very religious. And he's saying, don't be that person. So next time you're operating in your faith, he says, have it between you and God. What does that mean? He means don't try to push it out on other people. People have an issue with this. They get a revelation. They got their faith. They got their operation. They're operating at this high level. And now they feel everybody's got to be at their position. And God says, no, you don't do that. You do not do that. You keep that to you and God. It's, it's just a mindset of people believing that we have to share everything that God's doing with us. Husband and wives, you know, friends, we all get caught in that. Well, we're so excited, so pumped, and the other person's looking at you like, Why do you, what? And then you're mad because they're not all excited as you are. Well, you must not be following Jesus then. No, it's because God's doing it with you. Have your faith with God. That's the mature action toward that. But see, we've been Christianized, Christianized and thinking, oh, no, I'm the spiritual one. Look at God sharing with me. You need to know it too. Read scripture. Quit opinionizing everything. Quit thinking that way. God doesn't work that way. This is why it's personal. We're trying to make it groupy. If I'm there, y'all should be there. I know, I've been a pastor that knows that for a long time. That ain't true. I wish it was. If I could wave a wand, y'all be perfect like that, it'd be good. I would love it. I tried it, it don't work. Y'all keep staying the same way. And don't get me wrong, I ain't better than you. I'm just saying, it don't work that way. Just like it doesn't work that way in your home. It doesn't work that way with your kids. It doesn't work that way in your job. People are at different levels all over. That's life. And that's why this is so awesome because God is personal in his relationship with me. He deals with me, not deals with me through you. Not deals with me about you. He deals with you. And I know we want that. We believe that's the way he works, but he doesn't. You're taking your feelings and twisting it into thus saith the Lord. And it's not a good place to be. Again, this is talking about food. But he throws in, without faith, it is sin. What was he saying? He was saying, but listen, if you go and eat that meat, but you're doing it because that's what faith preaches, but in here, you know it's wrong for you, he goes, you've already condemned yourself. Listen how Paul talks by the Holy Spirit. God's writing this. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't want you operating that way. I don't, I don't want you faking this. I don't want you in a place where you're going, well, the spiritual Christians do this, so I need to do it. But inside you're going, but I, I think it's wrong. And God is saying, then don't condemn yourself. Because if it's not a faith, what is faith? 
What is faith? Is it the spiritual language or is it just a belief? Is it a confident expectation or not? Whatever is not of a confident expectation, it's okay. But you don't have it. You have a, you have a feeling of it's not okay, but I'm going to do it because that's what spiritual Christians do. God says, that's sin. What, what, I've sinned? I'm going to hell? No, you're missing the mark on life. You're on the wrong track. You're off track. You're not on the journey you should be on. Why? Because you're recognizing that, wait a minute, I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. I need to what? Grow in knowledge. Are you guys getting this? Come on. Jesus lovers. Are you guys learning something? All right. Let me talk about fundamentals of faith. What is faith? What is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is, this is the work ST, so it's talking about it consists. This is, uh, it consists. It's present. Faith is the substance, hupostasis, hupostasis. Faith is the substance. It's the foundation. It's the manifestation. Faith is the foundation, the manifestation. Are you guys with me? Faith is a substance, the manifestation. Um, Hebrews chapter, gosh, what is it? It's not let one. Hebrews one, where the word of God is talking about Jesus. It says that Jesus is the exact image of the Father. Hupostasis means he is the exact foundation, the exact manifestation of the Father. And what did Jesus say? He said, he who sees me sees the Father. What I say, the Father says. What I do, the Father does. I'm showing, revealing, manifestation, hupostasis, the Father. But who's talking? Jesus so in the knowledge he had, in the information he has had, he's revealing this through him, which is the manifestation. Faith is, are you guys getting this? Faith is the manifestation, you guys with it? Of things, everybody say things. Is that just one? Two? Let's don't get greedy. What is the definition of things? Everything. Things. Things what? Confidently expected. El pizzo. Of things hoped for. Confidently expected. The evidence of things not seen. That's what faith operates in. So what he's saying is this. When you're operating in faith, faith is, what is faith? Faith is the manifestation of this up here going, I believe, I believe, I believe. Now, the action of that picture isn't, I believe, boom, there it is. I believe, boom, there it is. It doesn't work that way. Belief doesn't work that way. Confident expectation, it takes time. And there are battles. I played sports all my life. And I got good in sports. In football, basketball, baseball. Good. Very good. And in each one of them, I had confident expectation, belief for certain things, but it took a while to get there. But I believed. But I had to do what? Practice, 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 practice. Study, 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 practice, practice. But I had confident expectation. But ultimately, manifestation of my faith would happen. That's natural faith. That's the natural faith that I talk about when we talk about the Roman centurion. 
that, that sent word for Jesus said, I, I, I need you to heal my servant. And Jesus is like, going, okay, I'll come do it. And he said, no, you don't need to come. Just speak the word. It'll be done. Boom. There wasn't a Jew on planet that was believing that way. None of, his, none of his disciples were believing that way. And here we have a Roman soldier occupying their land, using them as, as slaves and as people that were lower than them, controlling them by government. And he's sitting there saying, Jesus, say the word, it's all done. How'd that happen, people? Because he heard. And he continued to hear. He's a Roman centurion. His soldiers were probably coming up. You, you wouldn't believe what I heard about this guy again. You wouldn't, I saw him do it. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I can't. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. And each soldier would tell him. He'd hear about it. He probably went to a corner, stood there in all his Roman glory, and probably watched Jesus smile and talk and just minister to people and heal. Because the Bible says if all the books... I mean, if all the miracles that Jesus did were recorded, there would not have been enough books to write about them all. You, we see minimal, minimal, just what God wanted us to see, what we need. But if we saw them all, there, it couldn't have been written down. So that's why you can't look at this as, well, you know, Jesus healed. No, Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed them all. That's what the Bible says. He healed them all. Healed them all. We're not talking about a couple people. I'll tell you right now, if I say Jesus crossed Camelback, he's healing everybody. No one's sitting here. We all going. And then we're calling, we're getting on Facebook and we're going Instagram. Come, come. We're, that's what they did back then. Tens of thousands of people showing up, healing them all, healing them all. And this centurion saw it. He was, he, he knew this and he watched how Jesus operated with what? Authority. With authority. Guess who knows authority? He does. And he said, Jesus, let me explain why I know this can happen. I know authority. You got authority. I got authority. And I know if I tell him to go over there, he's going to go over there. Now, if he doesn't, I'll kill him. But that's besides the point. He's going to do what I tell him to do. All right? He's going to do exactly what I tell him to do because I got authority. I got you. I know your authority. Speak the word and it's done. And Jesus then marvels. He said, he marvels and looks at this guy and goes, I've never seen greater faith than this in all of Israel. This sinner, this Roman soldier, this anti-Jew, this no good guy operated in a major miracle of faith. Not Jesus said, I got great faith. I can do it. He said, your faith is great. What are you going to do with that one? There ain't no holiness in that life. There ain't no holiness in that life. There is no this so righteous person before God Almighty running to heaven. No, no. What are you going to do with that one? They can't, and they're not going to talk about it. Why? Because it doesn't relate to their program of, you know, you can operate in ABCs of faith. You can see mountains move, but if you go out and you act a fool and you do this and you do that, none of this is happening because now God can't. And they start interjecting things that are not scriptural. It's sad. 
It's sad. Why? Because there's no such thing as this perfect walk. No matter what, I'm going to go out there and, and I'm going to blow it. Now, it might not be at the level of, of doing something just terrible, but sin, sin, people, when you know to do good and you don't do it, that's sin itself. Man, I sin driving all the time. I'm not proud of it. Not proud of it. You may think, what? Why would you, what are you doing? What are you listening to? No, um, by law, if the speed limit is 40 and you're going 41, you can get a ticket. By law, that is, a, that is, that is our laws, and an officer could pull you up going one mile over. Now, do they? No. But can they? Yes. So by law, which the Bible says, obey the laws of the land, I can tell you right now, I don't go no 40 on the 40s. No 45s on the 45s. No 50s on the 50s. No 65s on the 65s. And I know you ain't doing that either. So y'all sinners going to hell. Every one of you. You didn't repent about it. Because that's all false religious teaching. So what we know is this. We're not perfect. We're going to mess up. But guess what? When I do that, when I act that way, a lot of times I don't even say a word. I don't repent. I don't do nothing. And I see miracles. And I see people healed. I see people set free all the time. How come it's working? Because religion doesn't dwell on those ones. They want to dwell on the bad ones. They want to say, but if you do this, this, and this, you can't. God won't. But you can backbite. You can gossip. You can... Talk about the other preacher. You, you can do all that, and it works. I thought God hated those ones. I guess he doesn't. I guess he's a liar. See what I'm saying? When you want to go with the word, you can really wreck someone's doctrine. But usually they're not being contested because they're holier than us. That's the problem with the word. We, we, we have to have the truth of this word, not manipulate it. Keep everything in context. Are you guys hearing me? All right. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that's what faith is. So if we're talking about faith, you can look at it in the natural. Natural faith is operating the same exact way. And then there's this God faith, this supernatural faith. And this is something that operates in the area that we all want operating. But we all operate. I, twi I went in the, my room and turned on the lights. I didn't expect nothing else but the light to come on. That's faith. You guys sat down on those chairs. You know, I'm thinking, well, yeah, but they're chairs. I mean, that's what they do. No, you, there's a position of faith of you doing it. You just know now it won't collapse. So you sit down with that faith you have. Now, you built that level of faith, but it, it's a level of faith. You have faith to get on a plane. You have faith. You, we have faith in everything we do, natural faith, faith in people. So there's these levels of faith we operate in. So I need you to understand that because I don't want you to come into this thinking that how am I going to get this faith? How am I going to learn it? And, and how am I going to understand it? It's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's just we're relating to it in a spiritual way. That's when it just screws everything up. God doesn't want us working that way. He wants us getting it. He's not trying to hide it from us. That's what Jesus does. He said, listen, the kingdom must be received like a child. That's where you get the term childlike faith. He doesn't say that. He says, the kingdom has to be operated like you are a child. 
you got to come to this thing with, 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 without all these different rules and regulations and stipulations. you got to be kid. you got to start dreaming. you got to start coloring and drawing and expecting that. Yeah, you know what? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an astronaut. And it's like you want to. You're not saying that like I'll never happen. You're saying it like you believe it. And then the next hour you're going, I want to be an ice cream man. <laughs> what? <laughs> How'd that happen? Astronaut to ice cream man. <laughs> In other words, you're, you're, this is what Jesus was saying. we got to have that attitude. But it's difficult, is it not? Isn't it? Because we got years of messes, years of garbage, years of train wrecks, years of issues, years of struggle, years of failure. We've got all this. But guess what God says? That ain't an issue. And we make it one. Why? Because faith. What? What do you mean faith? Faith. See, until you get faith in what his word said about the old has passed away. The old, everything's new. Until you have faith in that, you don't get to have the manifestation. I know what this is like, people. My journey's continuing on. But this isn't me saying, it's all good now, everything's perfect. No, the journey means in certain areas of my life, faith is operating there. And I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. But there's other areas where I still gotta walk this faith. I still gotta see the manifestation. And listen, like I said, it it just doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it can be, something can, but most of the time, this doesn't take time. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Because see, when it comes down to God, he knows perfect timing. And I can tell you right now, in my faith, and I know this for a fact, and I know Pastor Law would agree with this too, that if we believe God, I mean, when we believe God for our kids, after the action of trying to have kids for years and not being able to, and I've already saw the specialist, Mayo Clinic specialist that said, you can't have kids. It doesn't work. You can't have kids. You can't have kids. So I went through that whole process, all right? So we're looking at God's word and saying, wait a minute, but it says I can. But the natural says you can't. And so we come together in agreement, faith, believing. How come she wasn't pregnant and nine months later have a baby? Now the connection of timing with this place of faith is a key because I can tell you right now, in that moment we stood in faith and prayed and had a child nine months later, I can tell you right now, we would be nowhere where we'd be right now. Nothing, nothing would be anywhere close to anything, anything we've had, anything we experienced, nothing. I can look at it and go, it would have been, it would have been a mess. But wait a minute, were you standing in faith? Yeah, were you expecting? Yeah. And as year went on, after year went on, after year went on, after year went on, we kept, we will have kids. After celebrating a Father's Day and Mother's Day in here, standing in faith, celebrating all you with all your kids and we don't have any. And in the head saying, doctor said you can't, but God's word says I can. Doctor said you can't, God's word says I can. Doctor said you won't, God's word says I will. Oh, the battle, the fight of faith, still there. 
And then what happens to a natural impossibility? God's word always, always will overcome the impossible. And we have supernatural Daniel that was up here playing. Gifted, anointed, awesome young man. And then we got Matthew. We believe God for a second one. Stopped it too. Figured out of there, complete, perfect. Why go any further? We've been given God's faith. Romans 12, 3. We've been given God's faith. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I love when, I love the scripture. I just love when Paul, they throw down this stuff all the time. Quit acting like you all that. God is so good at throwing this stuff in there in a way to where you're reading it, but you're reading it for someone else to sit next to you. You know what I'm saying? You're, you know, we're always looking at this stuff going, yeah, they could use this one. And he just throws in there and he says, quit, quit building yourself up into something that you're really not because, you know, your image is so bad that you have to overinflate yourself. That's what he's saying right now. Don't overestimate yourself. He goes, don't think more highly than you ought to think. He said, but think soberly. I love the word soberly because he's making a statement, which in the Greek means a sound mind, which is a well-disciplined mind. But in the term also, it means not being drunk. And a drunk doesn't know how to think. I know here at Love Life, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But when I pass, I know exactly who he's talking about. Because you, you not only don't know how to think, but you're the fool. And you don't act cool, you act the fool. That's what, that's what it does to you. So you start and everything's fine, but then you get to the place where, you know, you're like, I hate you, and I hate your mama, you know, and you're like, you know, where'd that come from? But that's what that stuff does. A drunkard is, is they, they end up the fool. And that's what scripture teaches. But soberly means that position of, you're not influenced. There's nothing influencing you. You have the ability to operate in a, in a way of wisdom. So he says, think soberly. Think with wisdom. Think with a foundational process of understanding. You guys with me? Think soberly. As God has dealt, he's distributed to each one the measure of faith. God has distributed to every believer the measure of faith. In other words, everybody got equal faith, his faith. Not Lucifer's leftover faith, not Michael's faith, not, no. His faith he gave to each and every one of us. Are you guys hearing me? 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained obtained like equal precious faith. <clears throat> For those who obtain like equal precious faith. So everybody that received Jesus, you've received God's faith. All right? Everybody. Everybody calling the name of the Lord. God, when you are born again, receives his faith. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're talking about whose faith? Whose faith are we talking about? Whose faith? Does God's faith need to be matured? Does it need to grow? No. No. 
So what's the key? The key is, is we have this perfect faith in us. Now we have to get to this knowledge, understanding, maturity to operate in. I'll help you a little more with this, some, some more information. Luke 17, 5. Well, let, let's, let's go to how does faith grow? How does faith grow? What did I just say? How does faith grow? I just spent a little time. You should have went, no! Okay, let me try it again. How does faith grow? Why? Because faith don't grow, huh? I thought I'd get you guys. You know, I was being real clever, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go through this, and I'll say, we don't grow faith. It's God's faith. And then I'll go to this, and I'm going to hear them go, no, pastor. And y'all sit there like, oh, I guess we got to grow faith. Come on, come on, guys. Honestly, I'm, I'm, the, I'm even feeling tickled about myself back there going. And then they'll all go, no, no. And y'all sit there like, is this love life? Did I? All right. Faith grows. No. No. How about this one? No, silly. No, we need to mature. Faith doesn't grow. We have to mature. We need to mature. Why? Because we have God's faith. Are y'all with me? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's not faith comes as far as it's growing and maturing. It has nothing to do with that because you're doing what? Hearing and hearing what? The word of God. So what is that doing? That is growing your understanding, your knowledge. Wait a minute. Don't, don't operate with half knowledge. Because y'all know Knowledge, understanding, is not the operation of wisdom. Wisdom is the application of the knowledge. You don't say that person's wise because they have information. You say they're wise because they're applying it. Y'all know this. Everybody operates that way. You know people that think they know everything, and you don't look at them as wisdom. You don't go, I want to be like them. You don't. They're know-it-alls. But the ones that are doing it, you're going, I want to be just like you. You're awesome. Man, you're one of the wisest people I've ever seen. Why are you saying that? Because what they're doing with what they know. Isn't that true? Y'all with me on that? All right, good, good. So we have this picture where he's saying faith comes or this process of growth in your ability to operate at that level through the knowledge of God's word. Okay? Very cool. Luke 17, 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Ready? Perfect time for Jesus to say, Sure, because your faith needs to grow up, right? Wouldn't that be perfect? Because they just made the statement, increase, grow, mature our faith. And then Jesus does what? Watch this. And Jesus said, okay, because what I see right now is immature faith. So let's grow your faith. Perfect time to answer. They have a question. They have a dilemma. Please increase our faith. And Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. What? He goes to him with, I'm going to share the tiniest little picture of a seed. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, well, if I plant it, one day it'll grow, grow up, it'll grow. No. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, at the point of that faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed. He took the smitiest, the smallest little seed. And then he looked at the biggest thing on planet Earth. 
and said, you take that tiny seed faith and you say that gigantic mountain, get out of here. That mountain's going to obey you. It ain't about increasing your faith. It's about your belief. It's about knowledge. It's about who you are. It's about recognizing the value of who you are. It's about recognizing that you're a child of God and you have the attributes of your father. Are you guys hearing me? Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, if you would have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain. Do you see what I'm saying? In scripture, God's saying, this ain't about size. The faith you have can do great things. The faith you have can do great things. This, you gotta get your mind right, amen? To operate in the kingdom of God, you've got to have the understanding that it's not about growing the faith, it's about growing your understanding. Growing your understanding. Listen, potentially, there's so much greatness in each and every one of you. It's like a, a, it's like a parent. You're watching your kids, and, and you start looking and seeing potential. And that's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. You're seeing potential. And then the awesome thing is to see growth and maturity and start seeing that potential come alive. That's what's inside every one of us. But a lot of us have been stifled, have been cornered by religion, wrong doctrine, wrong information, wrong opinion, wrong teacher, wrong YouTube channel you're listening to. And we get off. Get off. We need to operate in what 2 Peter 1, 2 says, and that is this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How does grace and peace increase this multiplication? In the knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. It doesn't, it doesn't multiply by it happening. It doesn't multiply by it given to you. It multiplies through knowledge. Knowledge. Grace and peace is increased and multiplied through knowledge. Faith is growing in an operation through knowledge, understanding. Operating in gnosko, which is information in, maturing and acting out that information. That's the knowledge he's talking about. He says, operating in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, that understanding, it produces, it increases, and you experience. As his divine power, everybody say divine power, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whose divine power? God's divine power. How? Because we are born again. We are born again. God is with us in our spirit, which is perfect. In that perfect spirit that God dwells with, where he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is that place of empowerment. But the problem is we still have this flesh. We still have the soul, the mind, the will, the training of our thoughts through our past. Our battle is all that stuff interfering with this new information. But if we don't get the new information in us, this stays at a minimalist state. It stays at a weaker state only because... 
It's got the power. It's got full power to move a mountain, but it can't do anything. Why? Because of us grow up? No, because we have to get the knowledge and operate in it and start growing and maturing in our actions with what we already have. What we already have. You have the ability to do great and mighty things in the supernatural right now. I don't care how unlovely you are. I don't care what you've been doing all week. Well, I care, but the point is, is this. That ain't gonna stop that power. The knowledge you have will. And well, what is the sins don't have an issue? Sins greatly have an issue. Why? Because God's mad at you. No, that's what religion wants you to think. And I said it even in Word of Faith preachers. It's not the sins. It's the sins affecting you in how you see yourself, how you're guilty, how you're condemned, how you feel like a loser, how you don't believe God, you deserve anything. Those sins will create death. It always does. When you operate in those, they ultimately destroy your worth. They destroy your image of yourself. You're guilty. You're condemned. That's what that stuff does. That's what's affecting you. Not God. Not the power. It's all there. It's because that stuff is not operating like in the Roman soldier. He's messed up. He's killing Jews. He's arresting them. He's lording over them. But he saw, he heard Jesus. He believed the word. He operated in it and saw what? Great miracle through his great faith. Are you guys hearing this? See, yes, if we're going to continue to act the fool and we're going to continue to sin, sin, sin in the sense of I know better and I don't do it, I'm going to continue to do it, it affects you. But it isn't because of God. Isn't God withholding? Isn't God taking away? That's religious misconceptions. It's false teaching. It's wrong. Because if you're going to tie it with God, then we might as well all give up right now. Because we've all messed up, we're on his bad side, and we're not pleasing him. But that's not the Bible. It is not the Bible. The Bible's written about a bunch of losers that have done great things. Read Hebrews 11. Move right along. Are you guys hearing me? Don't get me all excited like this. I get sweaty. The lights are like burning on me right now. Let me end with this. Faith came from John 3.16, John 3.3. 3. You must be born again, Nicodemus. For whoever believes. Jesus, God sent his son for us to become what? To become born again, to have eternal life. All right? Understand that. It's not, I, I'm, I'm connected to Christianity. I'm now a part of your club. We are now born again. That is directly in reference to new nature. New nature. Y'all got that? Okay, new nature. You're born again, correct? So you're part of a new family. In that new family, I want you to understand these three keys. These three keys are common sense principles and they're spiritual truths. Everything produces that's their own kind. Everything produces after its own kind. Everything produces after its own kind. Dog a dog, cow a cow, well a well, gorilla a gorilla, people people. I don't care where you go on planet Earth. It cannot 
be changed whatsoever. I don't care what the schools teach. I don't care what the fake scientists try to tell you. There's no such thing as an animal becoming a person. Never happened, never will happen. Everything produces after its own kind, period. Everything they're trying to act as fact has never been proven as fact. We just now have heard the life for so long, we assumed it's all been proven as fact. It's a lie. It's not true. It's a lie. It is a flat-out lie. Everything produces after its own kind. Everything. A cat go, you know what? It, it sucks to be a cat. I want to be the dog. He's got it made. It doesn't work that way. And if he gets together with another cat and says, let's have dogs. Put the cat life in good life. We all know that. It's not going to happen. They're going to have cats. Everything produces after its own kind. You all understand that? Everything. The second key, everything is born with the attributes of its own kind. A dog has paws. Human has hands. Fish have fins. You guys hear what I'm saying? A whale has attributes of a whale. A, a spider, a spider. A monkey, a monkey. Everything has the attributes. When I'm born on this earth, I'm going to receive the attributes of what? Of a cheetah? I mean, can you imagine having certain parts of an animal? It'd be like a Marvel movie. But anyway, can you imagine that, though? All of a sudden, you're, you're going to, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be super fast. So all of a sudden, you have cheetah legs. You know, you're going to be a fast person. Are you guys hearing? They can't, it doesn't work that way. We have the attributes of what? That, everything proves that's their own kind, correct? You guys all agree with this, right? I don't care how bad a monkey wants to be a lion. It can't. You will have the attributes of after its own kind. That's why every monkey, you think our, our people would wake up, every monkey born is a monkey. It wasn't... It, didn't evolution say monkey isn't, that's the lowest level? You got to become humans? That's the better level. Well, why did it stop? Don't we still have monkeys? We, we got, do you guys been in Phoenix Zoo, right? Do we still have monkeys still, or are the monkeys gone? Would they all become humans now? No, why, why? I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. Why aren't the monkeys changing? Because it is a demonic lie. It's not true. A monkey's a monkey after he proves that they're kind. Everything has attributes after its own kind. Third thing, everything has a voice of its own kind. Everything. A whale sounds like a whale. Cat sounds like a cat. A dog sounds like a dog. A human sounds like a human. Are you guys hearing me? That's a fact. It isn't going to change. It's a fact. You're born again. Being born again, you're part of a new family. You have the attributes of that new family. Paul said this, there are celestial bodies, terrestrial bodies. We think celestial is something, you know, where you can't feel. No, we're not in the spirit realm. If we were in the spirit realm, we could see an angel, touch an angel, feel an angel. Just like when Jesus came back, he could walk through a wall and they still could touch him. He had a celestial body. That one day we'll have celestial bodies. Well, it isn't going to be like I'm going to see you in heaven and we're going to go, ah, and run through each other. No, 
it's a, we'll have celestial bodies. We'll have a heavenly body. And we'll be able to touch each other. But if we were in a natural earth, we could walk through something. But wait a minute. What would happen if you do that? Well, he was able to walk on the ground. You'd think, wouldn't he just go through the ground? Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, it's a whole different realm. But it's something that we're a part of in the kingdom. And when you get this, you start realizing, okay, now I'm starting to get this because God's then going to go into a different discourse of information that's going to line up the things that are scary because now he's saying, be like me. That's powerful. Now, I'm not taking on a discourse or a teaching of we're now God. That's ridiculous. But I'm going to teach you what he says about who you are next week. Father, we thank you for the word, the truth of the word of God, and we believe in your goodness and all that you have for us. We believe for the transformation that's taking place through the knowledge and information we're getting. And we also know that through this knowledge and through this information, we will grow and mature in the areas where I know you want us to be. And that is operating in this faith at the level of impacting our lives and those around us. So, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth of the word. And we give you honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. Love you guys. You're awesome. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.